When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I'm fucking pumped up right now, dude. <laughs> because of that song. It gets me going every time. What's my name, dude? Why, why, thanks for introducing me. I got my brother Quentin here. Just trash on the sidewalk, dude. Hold on a minute. Throwback. Uh, so that's a that's a Fleet Foxes song right there. So if you don't know who that was, or if you didn't read the episode title that you're listening to right now, we are talking about the new metal pioneers, Corn. So is that how, how do you spell that? How do you spell Corn? With a C? Spelled with a K and a backwards R. And there's a story behind all of that. Yeah, we'll go into that later. <laughs> So we did not record a sidetrack episode last week. No, we did not. And you know what? I'm getting sick and tired of my my computers being the problem, dude. Uh, because we've dealt with this in the past. Where like, like last time it was my MacBook, uh, where like my recordings would would we'd listen back to my to my end of the conversation. And it would be all glitchy and weird. Uh, now my fucking Windows laptop decided that the the fan just decided to shit out on us. So the central cooling fan in my laptop just fucking died pretty much. And it popped up this weird message. It's like, hey, just letting you know your laptop's going to be uh, overheating if you keep uh, using it. So I just wanted to let you know. I mean, at least it was nice enough to tell you that. Yeah. So we recorded our sidetrack for um, the Tribe Called Quest episode that we did. And then when I tried to save it, it just did the whole, you know, 
uh, hourglass symbol. And it just kept doing that for like hours. And I, I kept checking back on it like, well, maybe if I give it some time, it'll figure it out and it'll save it. And then it just died. <laughs> yeah, that's and, the equivalent of the, uh, the yeah. spinning wheel on a Mac or the blinking light on an Xbox 360. Or the, or the, blue, sc- the blue screen of death, right? Right. Well, that's all right. So, yeah. So I got an external cooling fan. Uh, the laptop's sitting on top of it now. I think it's doing fine, bro. I hope so. If it, You know what? If you're listening to this now... All is kosher. Um, kosher. But I'm kind of bummed because I was pretty excited to share some some tunes from um, uh, this band we were going to cover called Diggable Planets, which is another hip-hop band from the same era as A Tribe Called Quest. They're great. Uh, I would put them in the jazz hip-hop category, just, just like Tribe. Um, and I think they deserve uh, a shout-out. Maybe we'll do a full episode on them someday. Because I, I want to cover more hip-hop at some point, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, I had, yeah. A, I had a blast talking about Tribe last week, so or two weeks ago. Yeah, that was great, man. That was great. But hey, we're, do, we're pulling a 180 now. Um, so, I, I don't know, man. I, I was well aware of who Korn was back then. Because, like you, and like many people our age, so we're in our early 30s, we were all about MTV and TRL when we, you know, around that time, around around the time that Korn hit the scene. Um, but I didn't listen to them on my own. Well, I mean, that's where you and I differ, because I did listen to them on my own. Um, our father had to purchase uh, issues the album that came out in 1999 uh, for me because I was too young to buy it myself. It had like a, you know, parental guidance warning label slapped on it. Hang on. Issues. Issues. Oh, dude, I recognize that now. I'm looking at the album cover. Right. Falling Away From Me jumps out. That was one of their singles on that, huh? Yep. Holy shit, man. I didn't know you owned that, Yeah, man. So here's the funny thing, dude. I was actually thinking about this. If I had, had... uh, handed over a copy of either their self-titled album or Life is Peachy to my dad and was like, hey, can you get, can you buy me this? I bet you he wouldn't have done it. I feel like Issues is the first album cover. Well, maybe maybe Follow the Leader doesn't look too bad. But like if I said, hey, can you buy me this and showed him the self-titled, he would have been like, fuck no. Because that album is creepy looking. Dude, or Life is Peachy, that is fucking creepy. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Okay, I just want to describe the, the the cover real quick here. Looks like a kid looking at himself in the mirror. And in the mirror reflection, there's like a creepy-ass shadowy-looking figure standing directly behind him. But, like, you can see the back of the kid looking at himself in the mirror. And that fucking figure is not there in real life. So whatever that is... That's like a apparition or whatever. Inner demon, maybe. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like well, it. That's scary. There you me. go. So like issues, it's just like a. It looks like a voodoo doll with its, with its yeah it's guts like spilling out. That's, I dude. That's innocent. I remember that album cover vividly. It's probably because you owned it. I just didn't. I, I don't remember that man. Right. So anyway, um, 
you know, I was a I was a budding metal enthusiast even at the age of like thirteen. You know, so yeah. so anyway, uh, I will say that I never really went beyond that as far as like listening to them. It wasn't until maybe last year or the year before that I really gave corn uh, um, a good listen through. And I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of their, their body of work now. Um, and there's just something about, I mean, they really were the kind of the first new metal uh, that's in you metal. Uh, the first new metal band that, that really got, got mainstream attention and, 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 you know, had the, the, the huge record sales to back it up. What exactly is new metal? What what does that mean? What's the difference between that and old school metal? New metal, the main characteristics of new metal, it mixes sort of thrash metal and f- like m- funk metal, groove metal with mm-hmm. hip hop and rap elements. And a lot of times okay. it's defined by these like drop down tuned like seven string guitars. That's why when you hear like new metal guitar riffs, it is super like low end and like super heavy and like well, yeah, dude. It's like it, especially with like the bass lines, it almost sounds like uh, like it's it's like they've they've loosened it to the point that yeah. it's, you know like there's almost no tension at all. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the bass player uh, of Corn, uh, his name is Reginald Fieldy Arvizu. Like he slaps the like he. What part of that name did he change just for the sake of being in the spotlight? Reginald. Yeah, that's probably why he's like. Was, yeah, that's probably why he was like, "Man, guys, we gotta we gotta come up with nicknames because my name is Reginald." What what was the nickname? Reginald what now? Fieldy. Fieldy. Yeah. Okay. So we'll I'll name cool. the roster here in a second, but like, yeah, he he does this really like, uh, like it's very like sort of a signature sound. Like he's got this, he just slaps the shit out. Like it's, he's, you know, slapping the bass, right? Yeah. So anyway, Corn uh, is kind of the band that is responsible for like new metals, mainstream popularity and Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock were making music the same time that Corn was. And then in the early 2000s is when it just went huge as far as like mainstream popularity. And you had bands like Papa Roach, Stained, mm-hmm. P.O.D. Stained, dude. Yeah. And 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 uh, you said there, you man. said Lincoln Park. Uh-huh. I think Lincoln Park. I mean, they were definitely Lincoln Park because dude, because they they had that one dude that always wore those crazy contact lenses that made his eyes look all blacked out. No, you're thinking of Limp Bizkit. Like, oh my bad. That, that guy uh, was on Limp Bizkit. Okay, but Lincoln but Park. Lincoln Park had the dude that like rapped. Yeah, it would be like a few lines in every song where a guy rapped. Well, that's, so, that's yeah. It. Okay, so that's, that's part of that's it. new metal. Okay, but that's the thing is cool. that Corn, uh, the lead singer Jonathan Davis, Davis, he never really rapped. He himself never rapped. Yeah. But we'll talk about all that. So let's get okay. into Corn. So let me ask you this real quick, dude, I, because you haven't mentioned it yet, and I'm just curious. Are we covering one specific album today, or are we just going to kind of dive into Korn? Uh, I wanted to play... I'm, I'm going to play a song from the each of their first four albums. Nice. Okay. Because I couldn't decide on one, and yeah, I think their earlier music doesn't get much attention, you know, because once Follow the Leader came out, they were... They exploded into fucking mainstream popularity they were all over mtv and 
the yeah. earlier stuff doesn't get much recognition. So, um, and that was their third album. That was their third album. Yeah. So, um, I guess we could maybe talk about just briefly kind of talk about the bands that kind of influenced like the predecessors. So like I was saying earlier, it's funk metal, funk alternative rock kind of stuff like Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, bands like Helmet. And then you have on like the the more like metal side, like thrash and groove metal bands like Sepultura, uh, Anthrax, Pantera. And uh, the thing about Anthrax is that they... uh, they were kind of the first ba- uh, metal bands to really integrate rap into their music. They had like a, a heavy metal rap album that came out in 87, like an EP called I'm the Man. So like that's kind of the groundwork for new metal is bands like that. That's who influenced Korn and, and those other bands that we talked about. So let's let's name the roster here for Korn. For uh, you've got James Monkey Schaefer on rhythm guitar. As I said earlier, Reginald Fieldy Arvizu on bass, Brian Head Welch, lead guitar, backing vocals, Jonathan Davis, lead singer. He also played bagpipes on some of the songs. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome. you can hear it on some of the tracks. And then uh, David Silveria uh, was the drummer. He, for whatever reason, him and Jonathan did not have nicknames, but the uh, the other guys did. So anyway... Uh, Monkey, Fieldy, and David, the drummer, had a band in 1989 that was more funk metal called LAPD. And they they listed off Faith No More and Red Hot Chili Peppers as their influences. Head joined uh, shortly afterwards and they renamed their band to Creep. So um, they had a singer that they, you know, played with. And I guess he wasn't really, I'm going to quote Ross Robinson here. He's the producer of their first two records, Korn's first two records. He was talking about LAPD, or I guess they were called Creep. He says, the band wasn't dark yet. It had killer grooves and good riffs, but there was a happy edge to it. And when Jonathan walked into the room, it went dark and goth. So basically, here's how Jonathan comes into the picture. He was in a different band called Sex Art that was also funk metal. Uh, he was like 22 years old at the time. And what kind of made him stand out to the group is how like emotionally raw his performances would be and how like intense he would get. And so they asked him to come rehearse for them. And he shows up, and as Ross Robinson says, he says that uh, during the first song, he started freaking the hell out. And you couldn't hear his voice, but you felt chills all over your body. And they all felt like, you know, hey, this is this is the guy. Like, he's the one. So, like, basically, you know, the way that, you know, the guitars, the, the bass, the drum, it has this dark edge to it. But if paired with just your standard kind of singer, it just doesn't work too well. But when you pair it up with Jonathan Davis and like what he brings to the table, that's when you have this unique sound. So let's let's just go ahead and dive right into 
uh, a track off their very first record. And um, this song in particular, it's called Ball Tongue. And as, uh, as Fieldy says about the song, he says that um, when they heard, like when they heard this played back to them in the, in the studio, like while they were recording, he says that um, it felt like they had finally hit that song that represented everything that Korn had stood for. Again, it's called Ball Tongue. So here we go. So uh, you heard Jonathan Davis sort of uh, start doing that kind of like scat kind of thing that he kind of does sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, he was actually saying words like, you know, later on, like on like uh, uh, Freak on a Leash and uh, some songs on their next album, like he's doing sort of the gibberish kind of uh, scatting that he sort of does, right? It's almost like he's speaking in tongues or something. But like he was doing that right from the beginning, you know, like, so like, like what uh, Fieldy was saying, it's like, this was a song where they're like, this just, this is the sound, you know, they, they, they already figured it out. And there's their, their first record, you know? And um, if you're listening to the guitar and the bass and stuff, the guitar work is very similar to, uh, like I mentioned, bands like Helmet. There's even like this, um, this thrash band, thrash metal band called Prong that sounds like the, the guitar work is very familiar. So it's like, you know, they were influenced by those sort of like more alternative metal 
bands like that. Yeah, and the drums, like for me, right off the bat, I noticed uh, like that super, super tight snare drum kind of reminded me of um, that like piccolo snare that the drummer from 311 would always, you know, that was like the 311 sound, I guess, for drummers, you notice like super, super tight snare drum, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like you almost don't even notice this, the snares on it, if that makes any sense to anyone. Yeah, well, But like I it's mean, that super tight snare drum. Like 311 is, is, is even considered, they're considered a funk rock uh rap rock band as well they're not they're not really new metal yeah but, but i mean especially their early stuff yeah and with 311 they've got like that reggae side to them you know and i yeah, feel like there's yeah, a yeah. little bit of that with that that drum sound right right so anyway exactly so th- you know this was kind of the sound that that made corn stand out and really in my opinion it's jonathan davis's voice that makes him so unique and like you even heard on that song like oh, yeah. he he's really good at like going from like really soft sort of like he's got this like sickly sweet kind of tone to his voice and then he'll just go straight into like just screaming you know yeah i liked i liked i liked the juxtaposition there um like it's almost like a whisper like you know it's just like right there in your ears yeah like if you're listening to it with headphones yeah it's it's, it's very intense so like so let's talk about Let's talk about uh, his his background for a little bit here, because there's a reason that he can bring such emotion uh, to his music and his lyrics. It's because of his his history. So I'll just briefly kind of go over some things here. So apparently he had a really bad uh, relationship with his former stepmother. She would like harass and torture him, lock him in cabinets, put cigarette burns on his arms. Like fucked up stuff Jesus, like that. Man. Uh you know, he was he you know, he's the guy on the the kid on the on the playground that got bullied all the time. You know, he wouldn't he would wear eyeliner and, and listen to like new wave music and stuff like that, so people made fun of him for that. And you know, that happens to a lot of people, but when you you know, add that on top of like he doesn't have a safe space to go home to. There's no like comfort yeah, zone dude. at home. It's like it just you know. So anyway, um, also, and this is sort of a well-known uh, tidbit about him. I shouldn't call it. It's not a tidbit. This is a. <laughs> <laughs> he was so he was um, he was abused. Just a fun fact. Yeah, here's a fun little fact here. <laughs> but like, so so there was a family friend that used to like babysit him, uh, a, a man, a male, and like he was raped and abused by this guy, and Jesus, so dude. this was captured on the song daddy which is on the first record it was written about him getting raped and he's not parsing words like you read the lyrics it's it's i'm not going to read them on this on this uh podcast but it's worth listening to because it is it is such a powerful song and what happens during the recording is like he he literally starts to break down and sob and cry in the vocal booth and uh, Rob Robinson, I'm sorry, Ross Robinson, the producer, he had the like foresight to keep recording as this is happening. And he sort of like motions to the band in the studio to like keep going, you know? And so basically the band yeah. is just kind of jamming, doing this jam session 
and you're just listening to him sob and curse to this guy, like in the, in the vocal booth and stuff. It's, it is, it is disturbing to listen to, but at the same time, like it's really like a powerful thing to listen to. It's like a disturbing as fuck. Like the lyrics are, are insane. Dude. I mean, what, like what other example could we point to like that in like the history of recorded music? That seems so unique to me. And like, yeah, well, I think that's one of the things that made Korn stand out was that his lyrics were so like upfront about what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so a lot of people yeah. could relate to it. Uh, so I've I got, mean, do, I mean, that's not to say that 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 a lot of artists don't you know dig deep and write from the heart about personal issues, but yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, that's that's something else, man. Yeah. Like I said, um, if you're up to it, you should definitely give it a listen. Um, but like I said, like just be prepared because it's it's pretty messed up. But at the same time, you can really, dude. I yeah, I don't, I don't have I have no desire to listen. To, I'm, <laughs> to I'm listen just saying, to that. but you can though. It's it's like right. you know, go ahead and listen to it. Just, yeah, I'm just sure, warning sure. you. But anyway, so yeah. interestingly enough, Ross Robinson, the producer, his mom is a world famous self help author. So she wasn't well known at the time, but she was working on these early workshops and stuff. So like he was using the techniques that his, his mother would use, uh, on Jonathan Davis in the studio. Yeah. So that there's a unique, like, uh, yeah, a unique trait to have, or like technique to have. It's like a perfect, uh, marriage for this record and his, uh, yeah, I was going to say like, what, what are the odds that this guy would get paired up with corn and that he would have, you know, this, I guess, skill set, right. You know, to bring this stuff out of him, Right. So like some other producer might've been like, Hey, cut, you know, Hey, stop the, stop the recording. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> right. do this again. Hey, uh, do you need a, yeah, who's, you who's need got some, a box of Kleenex? Yeah. You need some time, you know, you want to just do yeah. this tomorrow. But instead he was like, Hey, let's Damn. keep this going. This is, this is powerful stuff. So like, dude, so anyway, yeah. so That's ballsy. Yeah. So I've got a quote here from, uh, monkey who uh again is uh, one of the guitar players about the lyrics and stuff so he says talking about davis what he sang about was always dark and even when he sings something uplifting the band leaned towards a minor key it's just who we are we always have a darker sound whether it's lyrically or melodies i'm used to him writing that way and none of us have ever said you shouldn't say that as a lyricist and singer, you have to be very vulnerable and expose part of who you are, and that takes a lot of courage. He exposes a lot of fear and anxiety, and ultimately that helps people because it makes them feel less alone. So there you go. That's why he was able to, that's why Korn was able to reach out and sort of uh, connect with so many like young, young people, you know? People who yeah, don't that's, have a... that's great, actually. Yeah, dude. they don't... That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. So I've actually got a quote here from um, a clip that we're going to play of... Uh, this is like some Canadian rock, you know, show or something like that. They were interviewing them, I think, after their second record. And she asks the fucking dumbest question to ask, like, a metal band. But let's just let it play. And then Davis kind of has a response, I think, that's interesting. It seems pretty angry, don't you think, the album? It's, 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 it's angry, mad, sad, it's everything, it's just emotional. It's a release I'm doing for kids too, they get to come to the shows, 
get all those aggressions out, have a good time, and just feel, you know, leave feeling they got they got it off their chest, you know. So I mean, it's working out good. Lots of kids relate to what I'm talking about. I'm happy for that. Do so, yeah. First off, dumb question. Yeah, <laughs> come on, come on. Does she does uh, she have to ask that to every single metal band that she interviews? Because it's it like sounds kind of angry. Yeah, right. But it, you know, if that was like some newspaper or something like that that was or like a t- like a news channel that was interviewing them then maybe you can ask that question yeah but like a rock a rock show anyway i liked his again his response yeah i was i was gonna uh comment on that too i like how he said it's working out well right you know exactly like that's what we're trying to do is to connect with you know troubled young people that went through the same shit that I did, right. you know? That's what's our whole goal here. Yeah, and it's interesting that he I mean, he's he he's still a kid too. He's like 24 probably, 25, maybe younger yeah. at this point. And he said yeah. the kids are relating to this. So like he's even right. acknowledging that it's he's like He's got to be talking. So he's got to be talking about teenagers or yeah. even younger than that because he himself, yeah, he he himself is still pretty fucking young. So he knows this is helping people come to release their aggression and stuff. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. That's what metal has always been. But like, like I said earlier, he, his lyrics are super personal and about like th- struggles that he has. It's kind of like our discussion about emo music. The lyrics are more like internal versus like external, you know, as far as like, yeah. And that was like, that was like the big, the big change from like, like evolving from punk into emo was the it was mainly the lyrics so i guess i guess you're saying that that's that was the big change here between like old school metal and new metal like other than like the funky aspects and stuff that 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 got thrown in there but it was really more like self-reflective lyrics yeah exactly exactly all right so let's move on to their their next album yeah i was gonna say let's listen to some more tunes dude yeah so anyway you know that kind of lays the groundwork that kind of tells you what it's all about why Jonathan Davis is such a, uh, I guess it kind of lends credibility to him as to what, how he can talk about this stuff. It's because he actually experienced it, you know? Yeah. And dude, look, dude, I just, I just want to bring up, man, this, uh, their self-titled album. That's, that's a creepy fucking album cover, dude. You know what I just noticed? What? So it's got the girls on the swing. Right. You notice how, like, if you look at her shadow with the line, in the K, it looks like she's hanging, dude. Like she's fucking hanging, swinging from a noose, dude. I didn't. I never. Fuck I never picked up that. on that. Well, I just noticed that, dude. And then there's the creepy ass shadow of whoever the hell is standing over her. You notice how he actually looks like he's got claws too. Yes. Creepy, dude. You know, I'm just not realizing. He looks like <laughs> fucking Slenderman. Ooh, but this was way before what? Slenderman even was a thing. Hang on. How long has Slenderman been around, That's brother, insane, dude? wikipedia that shit but no doesn't it look like she's yeah of course it does that's has to be uh, that has to be on purpose dude it looks like sh- someone who is swinging from like a noose uh the slender man story that. dates to 2009 15 years what are the origins after of that? Who, who started that shit it was a something on creepypasta okay man the, the yeah so uh, anyway that's kind of fucked like up it. I don't like it. All right. Let's let's move on to Life is Peachy, which is another creepy ass album cover, dude. Indeed, man. 
God. It all goes hand in hand. Like, all right. So we're going to have, uh, this one's going to be a little bit more fun. All right. So this album is called Life is Peachy. It came out in 1996. Mm-hmm. So two years later. And they cover an Ice Cube song on this record. So as we talked about with new metal, uh, it blends in elements of hip hop and rap, right? They actually had somebody come on and cover uh, an Ice Cube song called Wicked. Um, so, cause like I said, Jonathan Davis never raps. So if you hear rap on a corn album, it's none of the members of corn. It's always somebody else. So hmm. interestingly enough, they brought in the lead singer of the Deftones. So Deftones, I don't know that much about the Deftones, but they sure as hell, I mean, okay, well, they're kind of like a alternate rock alt metal. Okay. It's metal, but it's not like, okay. Metallica or Pantera. Yeah. But they're not okay. they're not new metal and they're not hip hop or rap, right? So anyway, let's listen to uh the song is called Wicked. You know, Chuck. We got running mixes in the headphones. fucking great wasn't it it was all right <laughs> i did I, I i wasn't a fan of that dude's voice dude well he's not a rapper dude so we i just, guess, we just, I guess uh, i'll never get into the deftones we just established that he's not a rapper yeah and it shows why didn't they get why, why didn't they get ice tea on or ice why didn't they get ice cube on there to do it oh don't worry they get ice cube involved later dude that's the whole point of this all right so hang on really yes We'll get into that. But just for fun, just for fun, I wanted to play the actual Ice Cube song. So let's cue that up real quick. Now this one dedicated to my name, call MacGyver. And all 007 James Bond spy, my name's Valley Area. Maximum respect to the man, call Ice Cube. And the bus no deuce, deuce, no trade, but for four, we can't. And it's a must to duck, 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 
right. So what's interesting to me about this, hearing the actual song, right, is that you can kind of you can kind of see how uh, they sort of adapt elements of hip hop and bring it into their songs, right? So like, obviously, this is a cover, so that's obvious. But I'm saying like, yeah, that was I was pretty spot on. I'm just saying, man. So like, you know, they kind of that that sort of keyboard thing or whatever it is that that really classic hip hop sound that's kind of going throughout that song. They're doing that on their guitars, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, what's interesting about this is that this obviously opens up some sort of communication line with Ice Cube because he gets involved uh, pretty pretty heavily with Corn like throughout their career. He he even goes on tour with them uh, for the Family Values tour. Well, let's just mention that. That Ice Cube song came out in 92. Yeah. And then Life is Peachy was 96. So that was four years later. Right. Um, yeah. So basically what Korn does is brings their fan base and introduces them to Ice Cube in a way. Because there's yeah. probably a lot of yeah. people that listen to Korn that never considered listening to Ice Cube or never listened to Ice Cube. And now it's like, oh, this is a cover. Let's go check out Ice Cube. And then Ice Cube gets involved with Corn on the next album. So we're not going to play that song, but he does. Uh, he actually raps on the uh, the song called "Children of the Corn," which is on "Follow the Leader." So anyway, I don't know much about um, sort of the recording process or anything like that uh, with with Life Is Peachy. I know that. Um, that Ross Robinson was the producer again. Uh, he, like he was the, he was the guy that got, got Davis to have such a, uh, that release, that emotional release during the recording of daddy. And he sort of tried to go back to the well, you know, with that and try to do that again. So he would constantly be like, you know, getting under Davis's skin and like messing with him and doing all this kind of stuff. And it kind of yeah. got, it, it didn't work as well. Right. You can't, you can't just yeah. keep doing that, but that became like sort of his, it became how he produced all bands. Like that's kind of his thing. So hmm. it works obviously very well with, with corn to get that performance out of Davis, but he had varying degrees of success with it in the future. But anyway, so with follow the leader, like we kind of talked about earlier, uh, they came out with a few singles, um, specifically music videos that became hugely popular and successful on Total Request Live on MTV. Uh, so much so that the video for Got the Life was the first video on Total Request Live to be quote-unquote retired, which is insane to me. So wait, what does that mean? What does that mean? So they, they, they just came up with a way, I think it was like after like 62 weeks or something. Well, maybe, shit, maybe not that long. Let me look this up because 62 weeks is like a fucking year. Uh Usually, here we go. This is from Wikipedia. Usually the same video will stay on the number one spot for a series of weeks, but after a certain period, it will be retired or honorably discharged from the countdown and be put into the Hall of Fame. So I don't know if they had a particular like formula or something like that to figure that out. But what's interesting You're about... You're saying that Korn was the first band that where they decided, hey, we need to, we need to make something up here to, to get... To get this song off the top ten, yeah, uh, got the life Holy was the first shit. one where they're like this. That's you know, insane, right? So anyway, uh, what were what were some other bands that what that they were competing with back well, then? Well, here's the thing. So like, 
it never got to the first spot. That's what's interesting to me is that it was retired, but not because it was in the number one slot, because it was constantly in the number three spot. Because NSYNC and Britney Spears and bands like that were constantly oh in the number one and two God. spot, which is insane. Oh. If you think about the music scene, like yeah. the what was the like the musical landscape of the late nineties was yeah. you went, I mean that's the full those are opposite ends of the spectrum, you know. It was boy bands and and corn. I mean it's and, crazy. And, <laughs> boy bands and Britney Spears and corn. It's insane. Holy shit, man. I mean who else, I mean yeah, obviously but, there were plenty of other Blink one eighty two would have been on that list, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying yeah. like who else, man? I can't I can't think of who else. Maybe like Jennifer Lopez or something. All right. Well if you look at the like if you look at the I'm looking at there's a list of of the TRL number ones, right? Yeah. It's nothing but Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears. You get to 99, Freak on a Leash was a number yeah. one. Now that's from okay. the same record. Uh, but again, yeah. it's okay, 98 degrees. So I'm sorry, I forgot about them. They were showed up. So again, you, you look at it. If hey, dude, you know what? You can't forget about 98 degrees, man. No, I guess not. Nick Lachey or whatever. <laughs> no, no, you can't. But guess yeah. what comes up on July 29th, 1999? Hang on. The Hang first on. band besides Corn and these boy bands and Britney Spears. Limp Biscuit. Yeah, you're right, dude. Limp Limp Biscuit. Uh so yeah. Was it was it Nookie? Yeah, it was Nookie. Exactly. Oh my god. And then dude. you got god, uh shame dude, shame on now us, this is, brother. This is fucking hilarious because I remember this video. August twenty seventh, nineteen ninety nine. The number one song mm. on TRL was the Bum Bum song by Tom Green. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hear that shit, dude. What about uh? And then uh, and then and then Corn takes the slot back again in November for falling away from. What me. was that? What was that one band that was singing about like, uh, fucking like animals? I think they were called um, ah oh, shit. Something you, gang. you and me, something yeah, gang. The uh, something you gang. And me, baby, yeah. That was around the same time, dude. Those are those are weird times for like popular music. Man. Yeah, you know exactly, and, th- and this that this proves Bloodhound right Gang was the Bloodhound Gang, Bloodhound Gang. That's right. So anyway, uh, yeah, again, uh, it's crazy, right? So I feel like I feel like there was there was such a wide range of of music that was considered popular back then that would be popular enough, yeah, to to to, to be on MTV, dude. And I don't know the I don't know the statistics, but I'm sure TRL was probably like one of their number one shows at the time. Oh, I had to be, yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, that just kind of tells you how how insanely popular they had become. And um, on this record, they kind of brought in a bunch of these guest vocalists, including Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. He sang on All in the Family. Ice Cube, like I mentioned, sang on Children of the Corn, or I should say rapped on Children of the Corn. And then uh, Trey Hartson of The Far Side, Wrapped on a song called Camel Tosis. So anyway, nice dude. This essentially uh, seals the deal as far as like merging metal and and rap. You know what I mean? That's what new metal was, and you know that was mostly because, well, at least for Corn, they would sort of bring in elements of hip hop and rap into their music, but they wouldn't necessarily rap, and so they just brought you know rappers onto their records. Uh, bands like Linkin Park, like we had mentioned, actually did rap. Like they had a rapper 
as part of the group, right? Right. Corn never did that, right. but this sort of opened the door for that to happen. You know, they yeah, basically cool. proved that, like, hey, these two audiences actually can kind of come together here. You know, and so like Ice Cube, like I said earlier, went on the uh, the Family Values tour, including Limp Bizkit. Obviously, Corn was like the headliner. Uh, Incubus was one of the bands that that popped up on that tour. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to do. Uh, we we need to do an episode on Incubus for sure. Um, oh yeah, that's happening. Let's just do one song here from from Follow the Leader. But okay. um, yeah, so let's just play the song. This is called. Let's do Reclaim My Place. <laughs> So one thing that that really stands out from the stuff they're doing on this record compared to their first two is there's a lot more melody in this music. Like I don't know if you can kind of get that vibe, but that's why you, you you know you can't have a mainstream song that that reaches a wide audience if it doesn't have a good hook to it. You know, yeah. Got the life is one of the catchiest freaking songs that I, I fucking love that song, and that's what we played. That was our intro song that played us into this episode. Um, and yeah. that's the one that freaking dominated TRL so much that they had to retire it. So I've got a quote here from Davis, Jonathan Davis. He says, uh, with regard to the making of follow the leader, he says, we were listening to tons of rap, but we also liked bands like Pantera and Sepultura. And as we evolved, I think we learned to mix those two styles better. Plus I grew up on new wave and I always wanted to make music that had lots of melody. We got that into the first two records, but Follow the Leader was where we were able to really emphasize the hooks, and people loved that shit. So there you go. Like he said, they really started to learn. They started to learn how to mix those two styles a lot. So here's what I like about that quote: is that that was Davis talking, and not like. That wasn't from record label influence, you know? Like, that was just him evolving as a singer-songwriter and learning, you know, to uh, appeal to a wider audience. That was just, that was all him, right? You know, like, that wasn't record label influence. Right, exactly. And so here's another here's another quote here uh, from Monkey. He said, it kind of felt like we'd coined this sound and then we were trying to follow it up with something we'd already done. So when Follow the Leader came around, it was like, 
Either we're going to make the same record for the next 25 years, or we're going to be a band that evolves. I think that was the turning point. He says that uh, they thought they knew the formula, and all of a sudden we put on this record that's hip-hop, rock, metal. If you listen to the first album, and then you listen to Follow the Leader, it's almost like two different bands. So, another thing kind of to point out here is they were so successful and really were sort of the pioneers of new metal that one of the reasons they named it Follow the Leader is they were kind of making fun of all these other bands that were sort of doing their sound, you know? <laughs> well, like like Limp Bizkit or something? Yeah, basically they were like, okay, you know what yeah. you know what the formula is? How about you, you know, follow the leader because we're, we're about you, to evolve yeah. it even more. So, yeah, that's awesome. And that's like the album cover too. It's got the girl like hop, uh, what's it called? Hopscotching off, off the cliff. Exactly. She's hop, hopscotching off a cliff. So anyway, uh, I've got another clip from this song, uh, but we're, and we're going to kind of play it, let it play out. So there's something that mm-hmm. interesting that kind of happens towards the end. That's another sort of like signature corn, uh, Jonathan Davis moment.
was awesome, dude. So there you go, dude. So that was great. Yeah, just uh, that's classic corn right there. Well, okay. What part of that is classic corn? Well, there's two. Was it like the like the breakdown and then there's? I mean, here's the thing. Number one, there's two different bridges in this song, and then there's that outro that we just heard. Yeah. Um, but so when you said the outro is just him saying what the fuck over and over, right? Yeah, and then like the the you know the head banging like <laughs> yeah yelling and stuff like that, which yeah. it, to me reminds me of the Rage Against the Machine song "Killing in the Name of" at the end, yeah, where he's like, uh, you know, what does he say? He says, "Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me," over and over again. Yeah, you know, it's I the same do what kind you of tell thing. Me. Exactly, and then he starts yelling. It's the same kind of thing, you know. But that was done. I don't know, a few years earlier. But yeah. but anyway, uh That was great, dude. Yeah, it's awesome, like right? That that's 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 what you get when you listen to a corn album. There's moments like that on just about every song. Yeah. Especially on Follow the Leader. Um But uh so anyway, if you look at the lyrics, he's kinda of talking about uh being bullied as a kid again. And mm-hmm. you know, the, na- the name of the song is Reclaim Reclaim My Place. So in other words, like you know, trying to say like you can't take take my person from me i guess trying to like you know yeah. stand up for himself but there's interesting there's so, lyrics or, here well go ahead let me ask you this dude i'm noticing on all the album art and you're saying you know these lyrics are about him being bullied as a kid yeah uh, you know these these first four albums the ones you're covering today they all have aspects of like childhood there's either a kid on the on the album cover there's like a childhood like there's a girl in a swing set. Yeah. There's a girl playing doing hopscotch. There's a fucking a doll on issues. It's almost every single the fucking cover, cover that they do. The like their their I guess logo, corn. You know the R is backwards. Right. Like is this just a a theme in in well it's yeah it's their their stuff like like is this a theme in 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 the lyrics in corn songs is he just a lot of it just him like revisiting the shit that happened to him as a kid. Yeah, it's absolutely that. I mean, it, I think okay. it's John, it's Jonathan Davis is what we're seeing. You know what I mean? That this is yeah. all him, you know, he He's, was, I mean, this is like his, this is like entries in his diary. Yeah, exactly. Almost. I mean, he was obviously had a very troubled childhood and he reflects on it and that, and he yeah. gets his, his anger and frustration and it's just like this is his release, you know. The, this music. Yeah, is his I, I like how their I like how their their name looks like it's like it's children's handwriting. I like that. Yeah, well, I didn't mention this earlier, but um, he actually worked at Tours R Us when he was younger, and you know how the R is backwards in Tours R Us. Oh yeah. He li- he lifted that straight from from that. Okay. Uh, nice. So anyway, um, yeah, it, that that's the, that's the theme. Like that's almost every single. Almost every single record has yeah. some element of like a, a childhood thing. Like the album after yeah. that that came out, Untouchables, that came out after Issues. After, after Issues. It's a bunch yeah. of children who look like kind of the, it's called Untouchables. These are kind of like the outcasts if you look at it. There's the even a, yeah, there's a kid with a, a Jewish star on his, on his jacket. Mm-hmm. So like from like, you know, Nazi era Germany. Yeah, there's a kid with cornrows. Yeah. And... There's yeah, a kid the wearing the, the kids, dude. There's a kid back in the in the foreground. He's got a uh, his hoodie, like his hood on. He's got a bruised eye, like uh, an uh, a black eye, like he was. He's been getting beat up. And there's a kid wearing a corn yeah, shirt. Dude. 
Yeah. So his fans. Cool. He's, exactly. So anyway. Yeah. And I recognize that album cover, dude. Man. Well, hey, dude. Let's listen to let's listen to a song from Issues, dude. All right. We got one more song here. Uh, that's just to, 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 to cover our bases here. So we're here. wrapping up in 1999. 1999. End of the millennium. So exactly. That's another interesting thing. I, I guess I didn't realize that. Um, this is all you know, a span of five years. And they saw huge amounts of success in five years. It's kind of one of those classic scenarios where they get so much money, they don't even know what to do with it, you know? Right. We talked about that in, uh, was that our last episode? We talked about that with like young athletes and. Like oh, yeah. Elvis well, we were Presley, kind of talking so about like how rap music started to change again, the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You just you just show off your money because you're young and you just handed to just a bunch of money all at once. You don't know what to do with it. Yeah, the same thing happened to to Corn. He said uh, yeah. that uh, you know the success of of Freak on a Leash and Got the Life, the two singles on that record, gave them so much success that they freaked out. It freaked him out. Like basically, none of the band members were getting along. They couldn't go out into the crowd and like talk to the fans and stuff like they used to. He needed a bodyguard everywhere he went, stuff like that. So like that would freak me out too, man. Yeah, I'd be like, "Shit, man, am I that really that important?" Yeah, and he, you know, he said he couldn't go anywhere because people would recognize him and rush him. I mean, they did stand out in a crowd, I bet, with the dreadlocks and stuff and the freaking Adidas tracksuits. I mean, dude, I I just remember him always wearing those like. It was like yellow tinted goggle looking glasses. Yeah, they definitely had some weird fashion <laughs> choices. And cornrows and stuff, yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, issues. Uh this record came out uh the very next year. So they were very prolific. Alright, so this song is called Beg for Me.
what I love about this song is like, you know, kind of a classic Jonathan Davis thing, right? The verse, he goes from screaming to, uh, you know, the soft, you know, the classic Jonathan Davis thing. But on this particular song, it sounds almost like he's got the freaking, you know, citizens of Halloween town singing, singing that part, like from oh. nightmare on before Christmas. Yeah. Listen, we're going to, you know what, dude, play, play it again. We'll just listen to the first verse. Cause yeah, I want you to pay attention, again, dude, I don't know what pay attention to, um, the, the verse. He goes back and forth. Are you talking it, about like, they've got these effects on his voice. Yes, exactly. Just, yeah, let's, let's hear it again. It's great. You see about how like he yeah it's like he's he's singing over his own voice right That's yeah him. they're they're doing a bunch of different effects on it and stuff but yeah it, it's like multiple versions of himself singing on top of it you know yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah to me it sounds like a like a Tim Burton kind of thing you know what I mean kind of yeah dude and uh, one thing I've noticed with with him how he sings and this as far as I know is unique to him. But like he pronounces things weird, dude. Yeah, that's not how you say me. No, but I mean, come on, that's boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, no that's... one. That, I mean, like if if I'm gonna make if I'm gonna parody a corn song, that's how I'm gonna do it. Well, the easiest way to parody a corn song is just to be like, don't. Yeah, don't do it, dude. I'll do it. Um, dum da wee, dum da weedle. That's even better. <laughs> well, I listen to the corn. You don't. <laughs> so I feel like I haven't really gotten a good sense from you. If you're if you're a fan of all of this, what do you think? Well, let me let me let's just put it this way, okay? And I, I have a question for you as well, but because I know that your usual that. response to metal music, but yeah, that's that's what I was gonna that's what I was getting at here. Okay, uh, as you know, historically. You know, I don't seek out metal, and like I always say, I appreciate it. I'm glad that it exists. Um, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoy corn music more so than the metal that you usually bring to me. Well, Q, here we go. I got a quote for you right here from Jonathan Davis. I always felt like we were a black sheep. To me, metal bands are Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, shit like that. We were nothing like them. We were more of a funk band, if anything, more about grooves and heaviness. So there you go. That's All probably right. that's probably why you like them. They're not like the traditional metal band. Then the question that I have to ask you, brother. Um, so you've been listening to metal for, you know, at least 10 years. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, well, 20 Shit. Yep, we're that old now. <laughs> All right. So, so you've been listening to metal for a long time. Um, what about what is it about corn that really makes them stand out? Besi- you know, uh, set aside everything that you've read about them, and and you know, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe we've already covered all that, but like, what what are, what is your thoughts on corn as a band? 
in that genre, like in the big umbrella metal genre where, you know, what do they mean to you as a metal fan? Well, to me, it's all about Jonathan Davis, not to discredit the other members of the, of the band because they're definitely contributing because yes, but like so much of it. And again, coming from someone who doesn't listen to metal, you listen to the, to those to those bass lines and even like all the weird shit that they're doing with with the guitar and stuff. Well, like I just said, like like, like you were saying, he, he they're more about the grooves and like yeah, the funky stuff. Right. Now, yeah, is that really is that really the big difference? The main difference? Like it's not like well, the I chugging, mean, like I don't yeah, know, man. Like y- yes, yes. Well, here's the thing. Uh, like I said, I'm not not to discredit the other band members, but what yeah. makes corn corn is Jonathan Davis and like the way that he. Okay. The, the way that he brings that emotional like outbursts and stuff and the way yeah. that he just, the, he just has such a unique voice and uh, you know, a, a unique approach to his delivery and stuff. But on the same token, okay. like, yeah, you know, the other band members are, are also, you know, fantastic. The bass playing is, is, is great. You know, the slap bass and stuff is really cool. You don't really hear that on metal bands very often. That's what, yeah. that's what makes it funk metal, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, that's what made corn corn compared to the other new metal bands like fucking limp biscuit is is now more of a punchline than anything right <laughs> really i was about to say like don't even uh, you know limp biscuit to me is as bad as saying the word nickelback on this on this podcast right it's the same kind of thing it's like it's you know it's a joke and that's the yeah. thing yeah. new metal the new metal tag became sort of like a joke, you know, like it was, it's, it's not remembered, uh, very fondly, but I think, I think corn, even though they're responsible for it, I think they, I think they deserve respect and they deserve a fair listen. I don't know. I don't know how many people that are, you know, much younger than us who are music fans. I, I don't know how many people know anything if, if they know what, what corn is or if they, Let's. I'll just put it this way. I don't know how many people that are in their early twenties know that corn is spelled with a K. Let's put it that way. Um, you know. You know. Well, yeah. You're not going to know that if you if you just hear the name corn in passing and you've never heard or had any sort of exposure to them. Yeah. Well, even if you've heard a corn song, if you don't, if if you're not a fan of corn, you've heard their music and you like it. But if you if you if you're not a fan, you don't know they're it's spelled with a K. Yeah. Well. You know. I mean that's like that's like uh, people spelling outcast with a C, you know. Yeah, true. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so um, that's that. That's corn. I've always wanted to get corn on this podcast. Maybe we'll circle back and do them again. Yeah. Uh, but not for a long time. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, let's knock on wood here. I feel like my laptop's pulling through, which means that we should have a sidetrack for you next week. Uh, something in the same vein as corn. Yeah, I've got I got plenty of ideas for that. So hopefully we can get back to back to our regular sketch. Uh, hey, and I want to give a, a quick shout out here to uh, another podcaster. His name's Jesse Case. He has a podcast called Jesse versus Cancer. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. I listen to every single one of their episodes. Uh, it's called Probably Science. It's a bunch of comedians that goof off, talk about, you know, relevant science articles, but 
most of the time they just goof off. Uh, Jesse Case was was one of their uh, hosts, and he got cancer, had to move back to his hometown, started his own podcast, and he gave us a little shout-out at the end of uh, his latest episode. Um, so I wanted to give him one, too, man. There you go. If you don't mind our uh, occasional curse words and uh, somewhat... I mean, dude, we're, I mean, honestly, we're not that raunchy. But it, you know what? If, if you like our humor, I think you'd dig Jesse. Uh, he's a good dude. Um, and yeah, you should hop over and listen to some of his stuff. Again, his podcast is called Jesse versus Cancer. Um, yeah, anyways. Hey, Jesse. Hope you're listening. Love you, Do you buddy. think he listened to the entire episode, though? I don't know. We'll but uh, I listen. I listen to all of his. So, how about, dude? How about this, man? Jesse, if you're listening, on your next episode, say this keyword: eggplant. Okay, just like, just like right at the end. Usually he signs out. Well, I don't even know how he signs out usually because I honestly don't go that get that far. But yeah, dude, just say eggplant at the very end. Yeah, because there's no, there's no way the word eggplant would have come up naturally. Yeah, on I mean, you could just be like, and uh, yeah, eggplant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that'll tell us. That'll let us know that you, you that you listen to it, and then that'll make my day. I mean, that's why I, th- I figured he might give us a shout out because he like Jesse is a huge music nerd, um, like more so than us, dude. What? Yeah, he's he's no, dude. He he. So he. He's in Nashville right now. His dad, he, he goes by Lizard, and he is a blues grass legend. Apparently, like okay. pretty much, like like everyone in the blues grass world knows who Lizard Case is. Um, and Jesse's helping him record a new album right now. So, yeah, dude, he's he's in, you know, he, it, it's our it's our people, you know. Yeah, Jesse and and Lizard and. And, uh, you know what? Anyone who listens to Jesse Case, to Jesse versus Cancer, is a friend of mine. Let's just put it that way. All right, then. So, anyways, um, yeah. Love you, Jesse. Keep on fighting the good fight. He has uh, cancer of the ass. That's how he puts it. And he's in remission right now. So. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I guess if he puts it that way. <laughs> yeah. Then that's fine. I, I, I forget what the, what the medical term is for the kind of cancer that he has colon cancer or something anyways uh yep we've i think we've we've talked enough about jesse uh, <laughs> indeed so yeah that's it for today travis thanks for uh thanks for getting me into corn man um so so that's a wrap that's this is our take on corn uh i'm excited to hear what you got for me next week dude and uh, I guess we can. We'll 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 talk about our next full length episode next week. But I'm pretty excited about the next next band we're gonna do. I won't spill beans this time. All right. So that's that. Um, thanks for tuning in. Check out our website, nofillerpodcast.com. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or any other podcast platform. And that's that. We will talk at you guys next week. My name is Travis. And I'm Quentin. Bye-bye. Each day I can feel it swallow inside something to fall. I don't feel your deathly ways. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 